0: It's me. All right, take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. And that last hymn we just sang was fitting for today's message, Trusting in Jesus. Acts chapter 18. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 23. Acts chapter 18. title of my sermon this morning is A Church Devoted to the Gospel. A church devoted to the gospel. Acts 18, verse 18. If you're there, say word. Word. Wow. (laughs) Chill. (laughs) No, I love it. I'm just messing with you. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Whew, I'm excited now. Acts 18, 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer... And then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Sincre he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Open up our eyes to the truth of what you have for us this morning. We ask this in your son's precious name. We pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you've been following us through... And then let me just say, let me preface this. There's babies in here. They're going to get loud. They're going to get squirmy. They're going to say more amens than you are. It's okay. If they get loud, I'll get louder. It's a blessing, right? right? Right. All right. Now, we're coming off Paul in Corinth. He has spent much time in Corinth. And here we're seeing in verse 18 that he is about to leave. And Paul has, has encountered, we've looked at this last week, he's encountered much opposition and discouragement. And he's tired. And, and then we saw last week how he's encouraged through the words of Christ to not be afraid, to continue speaking and preaching, to, 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 to remember that he's not alone And that he will protect him. So now we're coming off of Corinth and then we're going to see Paul make a brief visit into Ephesus and then he's going to return to Antioch. And we see here in the middle of this text, the ending of the second missionary journey. And then at the end of this text, he's going to jump into the third missionary journey. Now, why is it that I want to talk about a church devoted to the gospel? Why is that important? I've mentioned this guy before. His name is Charles Simeon. Charles Simeon is is a he is a spiritual hero. He's He's a preacher from the 1780s. He was appointed as a pastor of a church in Cambridge, England in 1783. And when he was, the people of the church did not share in the same joy of his appointment as he did. The people of the church were not that excited about him. Many of the prominent members of the church opposed his convictions on reaching the lost with the gospel. Such a shameful church. And to show their displeasure, they locked their pew boxes. You've heard me share this illustration before. They locked their pew boxes and they would not allow people. Don't y'all wish y'all had pew boxes here? Some of y'all do and y'all don't even know it. They wouldn't even allow people to come in and sit in their pews. Those that came to hear see me, and preach had to stand or sit in the aisles. And eventually God, through the word being preached, God began to work. And Simeon's ministry had a powerful influence on England and the world through his efforts to encourage missionary work. But it was through this time that Simeon was was was, he talked about how painful it was to see the church, with the exception of the Isles, forsaken. He 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 talked about how people were not in the pews. And he says, but I thought that if God would only give a double blessing to the congregation that did attend, there would be on the whole be as much good done as if the congregation were doubled and the blessing limited to only half the amount. Now, understand this opposition that that Charles Simeon encountered caused an issue within the church to where it showed the people in the church were not devoted to the gospel and to the mission They were more worried about themselves and their preference. And church, it is easy for a church to be focused on themselves, their preferences, their buildings, their pews, and completely forsake the gospel of Christ. That is when the church becomes a club. It's when the church becomes an idol And not what God has intended for it. Here we see how Paul acts. Within this final stretch of the second missionary journey into the third missionary journey. How he acts is how a church should be devoted to the gospel. How he acts here is how we as believers should act. How he acts here is how fathers should act. Husbands parents, believers. So the main idea I have for you this morning is this. The church of Christ is devoted to the gospel of Christ for the sake of the people of Christ. The church of Christ is devoted to the gospel of Christ for the sake of the people of Christ. How do we see that here? Look at verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer. He stayed in Corinth many days longer. And then he took leave of the brothers and he set sail for Syria. And with him, he's bringing his friends, Priscilla and Aquila. At Sincre, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. This was interesting to study about. What kind of vow was he under? Now there's debate. Either he could be under what is known as the Nazarite vow, which comes out of Numbers chapter six, which was a Jewish practice in which they vowed to 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 abstain from strong drink. They vowed to abstain from or they, they, they vowed to be sexually pure. They vowed to uh, uh, stay away from dead bodies. And how they showed they were in the Nazarite vow was there. They would grow their hair out like like Samson. They'd grow their hair out and then if if that vow was broken or if that vow was completed, they would cut their hair. Could this be the vow that Paul was under? Maybe. Or it could be a private vow that Paul had made with God and, and him cutting his hair was in response to his thankfulness to God to protecting him in Corinth. We don't know which vow it was, regardless of which way it went. This vow shows that number 1, as a believer who is devoted to the gospel of Christ, number 1, he was willing to sacrifice his freedoms. He was willing to sacrifice his freedoms. Why? Why did he make this vow? Part of the reason why Paul made this vow was so that he was not a stumbling block To the Jews who were believers and were concerned of the Gentiles coming into the church. He wanted to be able to have that type of relationship with these Jews. He wanted to be able to show them that he himself is like them. Where do we see this? We see this. In 1 Corinthians nine nineteen and 20. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not, though not being myself under the law. All right, that's important. That I might win those under the law. He, Paul, understood his justification by faith alone. He understood that his salvation is found in the works of Christ alone. But he he, he, he went under this vow, as for many reasons possibly, but one of them, to build that relationship between him and the Jews. And now he is coming, he's on his way to, to Jerusalem to finish that vow. He cuts his hair. I know that seems weird to some of us. I love it. It's biblical. It's church history. It's uh, it's amazing. But what does that that mean for us? How How can we bring this in for ourselves? How can we apply this to our lives? Some of you need haircuts. Some of you wish you had hair to have a haircut. I'm losing mine. This has nothing to do with us needing to cut our hair. What does this mean for us? We need to be willing to sacrifice our freedoms for the sake of the gospel. To reach people. So that people may hear the words of Christ. how, How do we sacrifice our freedoms? This may mean sacrificing our preferences. The style of music we like to have in the worship service. The, the, the color of the carpet type of building we meet in. The way the pastor dresses, the way people dress. There are preferences that we may have, and those preferences are, 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 are okay. Okay. If I go to a church, I've got certain preferences that I have that if they're not in place, I'm probably not going to be a part of that church. But in order for us to be a church that is devoted to the gospel, in order for us to be a church that is devoted to the unity of people, we have a diverse group of people in our congregation, diverse in age. And I love seeing the children in the congregation on Sunday mornings. I love seeing the babies. Some of y'all need to stop looking at them though. You need to look up here. But we have a diverse group of age. We have a wide array of preferences in this room. We all need to be willing to sacrifice those preferences for the unity of the church, for the spread of the gospel, for the building of our church. What else would we need to sacrifice? What about our time? Our time is a freedom we have, right, as believers. We are are free to, to, to use our time as we deem fit. But church, we need to be willing to sacrifice our time for the building of our church, the building of God's church. Sacrifice our time to serve. Sacrifice our time to love and to minister to people. Parents, we need to be willing to sacrifice our time for our children. It's Father's Day, right? Fathers, and I'm talking to myself, and you can ask my wife fathers, is there time in our week that we need to sacrifice for the sake of our own children? To instill within our children a a, a Christ likeness, to spend time with them, to show them who Christ is in his word. Somebody posted yesterday on Facebook, I shared it, About how the greatest gift that a father can can receive and can give is by bringing their children to church. Parents, if we're not willing to sacrifice our time for the sake of the gospel within our kids, we're selfish. Paul is willing to sacrifice his freedoms here for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the people of Christ. Parents, are we willing to sacrifice those things for the sake of the lost in our own house? The greatest mission field we have. We willing to sacrifice that. What about our money? Oof, let's talk about our money. We willing to sacrifice our money. Now, I know there is a debate in the New Testament of are we commanded to give 10% or are we commanded to give whatever? My view is 10% is a good foundation. But are we willing to sacrifice our money for the building of the church, for the spread of the gospel? This is why I love being a part of the Southern Baptist Convention is because we're part of the cooperative program. And what that means is, is our money, 10% of what comes into our church, 10%, that's more than what other churches give, 10% that comes into our church goes to the mission field to train up people who are going to be sent out to other countries. One of the things that was mind blowing this past week at the Southern Baptist Convention Was Monday night, we did the sin celebration. It's where we prayed over and celebrated the 64 missionaries that we sent out just this past week. And they had these screens set up for the people who you cannot know who they are or what they look like because they're being sent out into hostile territory. You could just see their shadow. And you can hear their voice. They're willing to sacrifice so much right there for the sake of the gospel. The freedoms we have to to live and glorify God in in different ways, they have accepted the call to sacrifice even their very identity for the spread of the gospel. Our money goes to people like that, supports people like that. If we want to be a church of Christ that is devoted to the gospel of Christ for the sake of the people of Christ, we need to be willing to sacrifice our freedoms for the spread of the gospel. George Mueller, when a man asked him the secret of his service, Mueller responded by saying this. He said, there was a day when I died, utterly died died to George Mueller, died to his opinions, died to his preferences, died to his tastes, and died to his will. I died to the world. It's approval or censure. I died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved only to God. We need to be a people that is willing to die to ourselves for the spread of the gospel. And most importantly, parents, spouses, we need to be willing to die to ourselves for the sake of the people living in our own home. Husbands, are you discipling your wives? Fathers, are you discipling your children? Don't you love it how Mother's Day, a lot of times we talk highly of the moms. We love you. We thank you. And Father's Day, you're trash. (laughs) You need to be better, you know? Here's the best thing about the gospel. The gospel is not be better. The gospel is trust in Christ and rest in, in His grace. Fathers, we will fail. Men, we will fail. Men, we... There are going to be days we're going to wake up and we're just going to feel rotten and cruddy. And we're just going to be like, I am a wretched, horrible sinner. It's those days that we really need to be reminded of the gospel of Christ, that our rest is not in our works, is not in our obedience. It is in Christ's obedience. So if we want to recognize how we're able to sacrifice our freedom, we trust in the one who sacrificed his life on our behalf. Fathers, you want to love your kids? You love them in a sacrificial manner in the way that Christ loved us. Husbands, you want to love your wives to the best of your ability? You love them in the way that Christ loved us. By sacrificing his life for us. Are you willing to sacrifice your freedoms? Church, are you willing to sacrifice your freedoms for the spread of the gospel? Not only does Paul show us that we must be willing to sacrifice our freedoms, but Paul also shows us that in order for us to be a church devoted to the gospel of Christ for the sake of the people of Christ, we need to, number two, follow God's will. We must be a church that is following God's will. Look at verse 19. And they, this is Priscilla, Aquila, and Paul came to Ephesus. And what does he do? He leaves them there. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. If God wills. Priscilla and, 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 and Aquila, they did not want Paul to leave. I've had, I've had brothers in the ministry who, who I've served with, who were just down the street from me, been able to reach out to them. And then they would take a ministry somewhere else and leave. One of my mentors growing up, don't be mad at me, was a Presbyterian youth pastor He was one of the good ones, though. I remember when he left, he was was the one that married me and Tara. He was Tara's youth pastor. Tara used to be Presbyterian. He was Tara's youth pastor. He was a mentor, a brother. He still is. But I remember when he left, it was hard. Priscilla and Aquila are dealing with Paul leaving, but why is Paul leaving? He's leaving because he's following God's will. Church, we must be a people who are going to be following God's will for our lives. Paul's desire is to be with those in Ephesus, but his greater desire is to follow God and his will no matter where that takes him. So it's easy, it's easy for us, church, to follow our emotions and our desires. It's easy for us to think that Paul, that, that, that God's will for us is what we desire the most, but not always. God's going to call us to hard places. God's going to call us to do things that hurt. God's going to call us to sacrifice. If you don't believe me, look at the apostles. The apostles, I can tell you right now, did not carry around your best life now in their backpack. Christ has called us to a life of sacrifice, and that involves following his will. How do we know? How do we know what God's will is for our lives? First and foremost, we have his word. His word actually shows us what his will is for our lives. Are you ready for it? 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 7. For this is the will of God, your sanctification What is God's will for our lives? To be holy. To be Christ like. To fight our sin and kill our sin daily. God's will for our lives are to be more like Jesus. We need to be a church who is following God's will. We need to be a church who has an emphasis on holiness. Let me tell you, church. If you ever leave this place, which our church covenant even states, some of you may leave this place. If you ever leave this place, or if I ever leave this place, and you're under a different pastor, and that pastor never calls you to repentance That pastor never preaches against your sin. You need to find another pastor. Can I say that honestly? You want to know why the church is in the state that it's in now? We're not calling people to repentance. And we're not calling the church to repentance. Instead, we're trying to build a community in which we're all comfortable living in our own sin. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to holiness. So if we want to be a church that is devoted to the gospel of God for the sake of the people of God, we need to be a church that's following God's will. We do it through his word. Secondly, we do it through prayer. We do it through prayer. How do we know what God's will is for us? We ask him. We ask him. And I promise you, he will answer. But if you're looking for an audible voice, don't. If you hear an audible voice, please let's talk. But pray. A church that doesn't pray is a church that decays, a church that is not on their knees. Seeking the will of God for their mission is a church that is set up for failure. It is not what our will is, it's not what my will is. What is God's will? What is God's will? It may not be God's will for me to be here for the next 10 or 20, 30, 40, I don't know if I'll live that long, 50 years. It may not be his will. It may not be his will for me to be here for another year. It may not be his will for you to be here for another year. But we are called to follow his will. We do that through his word. We do that through prayer. And we do it in in what we just sang. We do it through trust. Why is it that we're called to follow God's will? Because we are called to trust in his sovereignty. Some people are afraid to make a move, afraid to make a step. They feel, feel pulled. They feel called elsewhere. Some people have even felt that call to ministry, but they, they don't do anything about it. Why? Because they don't trust in God's sovereignty. Paul does not know what's coming up next. He just knows that it is God's sovereign will for him to leave Ephesus right now. And he tells him, I will return to you if God wills. Not, I will return to you if I so desire. Not, I will return to you if I have the time. Not, I will return to you if I have the resources. I will return if God wills. If God wills us to move, we move. If God wills us to do something, we do it. We follow God's will tis so seek to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know Thus saith the Lord. If God says it, we trust it. That's where Paul is right now. I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. So not only do we Not only are we called to sacrifice our freedoms, not only are we called to follow God's will. Number three, if we want to be a church devoted to the gospel of Christ for the sake of the people of Christ, we need to be a church that strengthens the disciples. We see Paul do this in verse 22 and 23. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church. What does that mean? He went to Jerusalem. He went up and greeted the church. More than likely, this is where... After he he completed the vow and he cut his hair off, part of the ceremony is to go and burn the hair in Jerusalem. Some of y'all are probably wondering, like, that probably smells bad. It does. Burnt hair does not smell good. But they burn it. That's part part of the ceremony. But he's also, he goes up and greets the church and then he goes down to Antioch. Why does he go to Antioch? This is where he was sent out at. He's giving a report. This is the end of his second missionary journey. And then verse 23, after spending some time there, he departs on his third missionary journey. And went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Church, if we want to be a people devoted to the gospel of Christ, we need to be devoted to the people of Christ. We need to strengthen our followers. What a day we live in today. What a day in which we see persecution just next door to our country. What a day in which we see our culture Constantly attacking our faith and our beliefs in this word and the God that we serve. Church, if we want to be a church that reaches lost people, that impacts the culture, we need to be a church that is strengthened by the word of God. So if we want to be that church devoted to the gospel for the sake of God's people, we strengthen them. What's the purpose of discipleship? What's the purpose of Sunday morning, Wednesday night? What's the purpose of our life group, Sunday school class? What's the purpose of small group Bible study? What's the purpose of all these things? To equip you, to disciple you, so that you may be made more like Christ so that you may fight your sin daily, so that you may be in community with other believers, so that you may have opportunities for worship, and so that you may be strengthened and encouraged to know the word of God, so that you may fight the culture with the word of God. Church, how do we expect to be a people of God if we don't even know the word of God? How do we expect to live in obedience If we don't even know what the Word says. How do we expect to even know what it means to be the church? If we don't even look and hear and read what God's Word says about it. This is why Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, we mentioned this last week, to not forsake the gathering of saints, but to stir up one another. To encourage one another to do good works. Church, it, this is why we gather. This is why it's important to be strengthened and encouraged by God's word, to be equipped so that we may be more like Christ. Church, I know we live in a day in which we are, we may have our concerns. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's gonna happen Next year, next week, we don't know what's going to happen. The next election, we we don't know. If COVID's taught us anything, it's taught us that we can't predict tomorrow. But if COVID has taught us anything, it's taught us that we can trust in a sovereign God who is going to use all things and all means to his glory and purpose. God was not surprised by a pandemic. God was not surprised by the persecution that's happening in Canada. God was not surprised by the legislation that's being passed, the legislation that's being brought up and even questioned. God's not surprised by any of that. God is working and ruling and reigning, and we trust him through that. So what are we called to do? We're not called to predict tomorrow. We are called to be strengthened and equipped and encouraged. That no matter what tomorrow brings, we can trust in a sovereign God and in his sovereign word. Parents, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Why? Parents, you are a part of the greatest mission field we have available to us right now. The children living in your home is the greatest mission field. They are being discipled everywhere else except in their own home. They're being taught through what they watch on TV, what they play, what they hear in their schools, depending on what schools that they go to, They're being taught all these things. And a lot of times it's contrary to what we believe. Church, we live in a day where it's okay to talk about Santa in schools, but it's not okay to talk about Jesus. Have you thought about that? It's okay to talk about all these other things, but not Christ. We are called to strengthen, equip, encourage. And I pray that's what we are doing. So church, if we are to be a church of Christ devoted to the, co- the gospel of Christ for the sake of the people of Christ, we need to be willing to sacrifice our freedoms. We need to follow God's will and we need to strengthen the disciples. And church, understand that the only way that we're able to accomplish these things is through the grace of God. It's through his grace that we are a part of a good church. I am thankful for you. I am. I am thankful for a church that one is willing to listen to me. Because my wife doesn't. I I am thankful for a church that is willing to put up with somebody like me that is growing As a pastor that is growing through God's word. That is growing as a preacher. I am thankful to be a part of this church. That sees the preaching of the word of God as primary and as priority. The discipleship of the believer as priority. There is no other church I would want to be a part of in this area than this church right here. And I pray that we are doing these things. Willing to sacrifice our freedoms, willing to follow God's will, and willing to strengthen the disciples. I pray we do that. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good to us. God, it is through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ that we are able to be united and gathered together this morning. So, God, I pray. I pray that we would be a church that is devoted to the gospel. A church that is devoted to your word. A church that is devoted to making the name of Christ known among the nations. God, help us to be willing to sacrifice our freedoms and our preferences, our time, our money. Help us to be willing to die to ourselves daily. For the sake of the gospel. Help us to be a church that is willing to follow your will. No matter how hard it may be. No matter where it sends us. Help us to be a church that trusts that you are sovereign. Help us to be a church that leans on your word. And help us to be a church that pursues you in prayer. And God, help us to be a church that is strengthening The disciples, the believers, a church that sees discipleship as a priority, a church that sees children and teenagers, even adults who are in need of the gospel. Help us to make Christ a priority. God, I pray that you would do that this morning. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.